2: So oh, this is Bella Younger, and this is the Deliciously Stellar podcast. This week, I'm going to be talking to nutritional consultant Kate Arnold about why she really can't stand Vega machines.
3: Are you really that scientifically stupid that you really believe this?
2: Also, I'm going to be going out and about to Bethnal Green Hotspot Paradise Garage, where I'm going to be meeting one of the chefs, Leisha.
0: Look, even over the last year, I've seen the massive increase people people with, like, with food
2: allergies. So um, I'm here today with Kate Arnold, who is a nutritional consultant, and she got in touch with us over email because she's going to tell us all about the horrors of the Vega machine. Kate, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you. Lovely to be here. Um, can you please explain what is a Vega machine? And am I pronouncing it right?
3: You are. It's Well, it's, it's Vega or Vega or probably you can call it anything you want, really. Um, it's a type of electroacupuncture device that is used to diagnose allergies. So it
2: sounds like bollocks, essentially. It
3: is. Well, well, you know, that's a spoiler alert. I think it is. um, (laughs) But I think it's worth talking about it and making sure that people try not to become too convinced that this is the magic bullet for their food allergies.
2: So obviously a lot of people do suffer very badly from IBS and food allergies, and it's a real thing, and you know, I'm not some sort of crazed denier, but this, this machine is news to me, and I'm absolutely fascinated. What kind of a practitioner has got one of these machines?
3: That is the whole point. Anyone can have one. And they've sort of morphed from Vega machines, and they sort of came to prominence in about the 1950s, and I think they were invented in Germany. And then they've sort of morphed into things called bioresonance machines. So there's two things. There's not only the Vega machine, but the bioresonance machine. And they seem to have started their life in Germany. One of the guys that invented them has slightly spurious links to Scientology, which slightly worries me. Mm,
2: That's always quite damning.
3: (laughs) Well, it is a bit. I mean, you know, I'm all for, you know, whatever works for anyone. But you just think that's not quite right when you're coming to health. Mm. And they are up and down our high streets. And where I live in East Sussex, we have two people uh, here and we've got another two other people who are fairly qualified actually who buy in these machines and you hold a rod and you know some peculiar dial goes up or down and they put various foods in vials and they put it on your hand and on your palm and they tell you what you're allergic to or not and I find it really really frightening.
2: You see this is lunacy this is the kind of thing that my mum would be really into. (laughs) my my mum loves stuff like this i was born with like a partially functioning kidney and she tried yeah. to cure it through homeopathy yeah. like she she loves it but this this sounds absolutely crazy so i could go in essentially and they'd wave i don't know like some tomato ketchup over my hand and they'd be like yeah. you're allergic because the dial says
3: yeah exactly and the the, the i mean the big news is is You know, I mean, for for nothing I could tell you just to, you know, try to reduce coffee or sugar or whatever, and you'd be better anyway. So a lot of what they spout is the same. And it's pure coincidence if you do feel better. But I mean, there's a funny side to this, but obviously that's why I'm I'm talking to you as well. But there's Mm. also a really serious side. Mm. I mean, if I can give you a serious point, which absolutely shocked me and horrified me so much last year that I thought I've just had enough and I wouldn't want to. I'm one of these sort of people that wouldn't want to leave a bad trip advisor on someone's do you know what I mean? If they're, yeah. if they're yeah. setting up a new business, I tend to think, well, I'd speak to them directly. But this, this person had, um, had several patients of mine who'd come to see me on the back of seeing this other person who had these uh, machines. And one of them was told that they had the breast cancer gene. What? By this yeah, machine? Yeah, yeah seriously. I, I, I am not kidding. So they came to me completely panicked, massively stressed. And said, I don't tell my GP because he'll just laugh at me, but I can't sleep at night. And I said, this is absolutely ridiculous. So obviously, he spoke to the GP, got her tested for the breast cancer gene. She did not have the breast cancer gene. So this goes over and above allergies. This is actually quite intrusive into someone's, you know, this is really, really important that we just don't let this continue.
2: I mean, that's actually incredibly dangerous.
3: Very dangerous. I mean, I yes.
2: do, I do joke a lot in my show about the people who think avocados cure cancer, but you know, th- there are people out there who do, do, do things like this, and it's so irresponsible, and it's,
3: it's. Well, I mean, the thing is, but with all this type of stuff, I think number one, people are super vulnerable, and I think even some of my friends who I like to consider are fairly bright are completely engaged in this narrative. And you just think, how on earth does this happen to you? Because the people that are doing this are very, very convincing.
2: Yeah, um, one of my really, really best friends, who's a lawyer, he's incredibly intelligent, was very into homeopathy for a while. And we used to have extremely heated arguments about trying to cure things like bipolar disorder with a bit of
3: powder. And I was just like, I'm really sorry, but it doesn't work. It doesn't. Mm. I mean, I agree with you about homeopathy. I don't have such an issue with it because I think it's, if it's done properly, it just does nothing. So it's mm. almost sort of a neutral sort of, you know, yeah. hopefully it doesn't do anything. As long as it doesn't stop people getting the right advice, it actually does nothing. But this, these machines, yeah. I think, will do damage because um, they remove so many foods. So, for example, I'll give you another ridiculous story, which I heard last week, which is when I um, wrote to you. I had a, a, a vegan patient come and see me. Lovely, lovely woman, and she really wanted to be a healthy vegan. I have no issue with vegans. I don't. Mm, I mean, no. I have to be, you know, I have to be very sort of open minded about everyone's, cho- you know, choices. And this was ethical. So on board with that, you've got to be a bit careful of what you choose. But she had been on one of these vegan machines in the same town as I had, where I live, and she was told that she was allergic to tofu, corn, pulses, and nuts. So I looked at her and I said, "Okay, just just talk me through this. She was really bright as well. You know, I said, talk me through this. Do you actually believe that you're allergic to all this? And she said, well, sitting here now, no, I don't. But when I was with this other woman, yes, I did. And I said, but that means you've got nothing to eat. That's all your protein sources. I said, what do you you what do you live on? She passed me her food diary. She lived on literally, Bella, I kid you not lettuce and avocado. There was no protein. Nothing. I
2: mean, that just sounds absolutely horrific. What a way to live.
3: And she was really, really unwell.
2: Yeah, I can imagine.
3: And so, so the next question, because I'm, I'm quite challenging, the, the next question I said was, well, how much have you given her? And she said £700. I went, oh, no, no.
2: See, really? that's that's the other thing, isn't it? Is this whole thing is so expensive. Yeah. And it like, it's such a sort of middle-class problem, isn't it? This whole silly machines and... Giving away it, it, all your
3: it money. Is, it is, and I think, you know, if a, you know, if you're a girl and you want to get into your size 10 jeans and, you know, you, you get bloating and you, at the end of the day you're a size 14, I think you'll just do anything to keep a, a, a flat stomach, which is, you know, getting water pumped up you to do anything. But it's, <laughs> God, the, <yeah>. list of, <laughs> the list of foods that these machines tend to um, give you is just extraordinary, and some of them are really good foods. So I, I I I am really worried, and I've been worried about them for a long time. I've also had personal experience of them because I was um, quite ill about 25 years ago, long time ago. Super well now, but and I went on some of these, and um, as I was doing it, I remember thinking this doesn't seem right. But I was so desperate, mm. and I was so ill, and I just thought, well, someone's just got to tell me what's wrong with me. And I bought into it for a bit, probably about a year, and I thought. I'm just as ill as I was and so something there's something that they do that enables, that pulls people in, that gives them very much false hope, which I which I hate. I
2: because hate that. you can you can completely understand how easy it is to fall into that sort of trap. Like It's not it's not stupidity or, you know, small mindedness or anything that sort of sends you to these people. Mm. Because, you know, yeah, I, I agree. A lot of my brightest friends do get sucked into things like this. But I mean, it's it's down to the people who are practicing it to sort of, you know, open a book and go on the Internet and go, actually, I just this isn't real and it's not helping people.
3: But they don't do that. Um, they don't have any chemistry, biology, physics, any kind of science background at O level or A level or degree or anything, usually. I mean, as far as I'm aware, there's nobody. But they really genuinely believe that what they're doing, I mean, to be fair to a lot of these people, I think their intentions are fairly good. But you you do have to question, well, have you, are you really that scientifically stupid that you really believe this? And I think they do. I think they do. Obviously they do. Yeah,
2: they must do. They must do. So another thing that we really wanted to ask you about is, I know that you know a lot about sugars. Yeah. So I'm fascinated by this because you open up all these wellness cookbooks and they're all full of coconut sugar and you know palm sugar and st- all these absolutely bizarre sugars I've never really heard of. And yeah. some sugars are deemed healthier than other sugars. Like, can you explain? Is there any fact in this?
3: Well it's a very, very grey area. Uh, And what I really don't like is the fact that when you do open up these books or you go on the wellness uh, blog site, it seems to be very clear-cut, and it's not clear-cut. So, for example... Um, you know things like agar syrup or maple syrup or whether, whether it be xylitol sorbitol or mannitol i mean you need a a, a biochemistry degree before you even make these decisions they're sort of uh, you know sold as better sugars and one of the big sort of recipes that has, has come out with all these wellness bloggers and all these people um is these sort of caribals or any kind of sweet treat Oh, you you, know, you can have the sweet treat because it's great because it's made with all these great sugars mm. and actually i think it's bullshit, really. There yeah. so is a very, very small amount of sugars that might have better health benefits. Things like, you know, honey. Yes, they've got a few vitamins and minerals, whereas white sugar doesn't. But stuff like maple syrup and agave syrup, if you're, you know, if you're using these to cook these recipes, and convincing yourself that they're super healthy they're just not so i mean if you want to make a mary berry victoria sponge and put a bit of white sugar in i don't think it's going to do you any any harm really yeah and afraid... more harm than some of these that are already been touted you know that's my problem i mean i i don't you know i think all all sugar isn't great and i think most of us know that all sugar isn't great mm. but what really annoys me is the popular sugar alternatives which are being spouted and they are really unusual aren't they they all come from South America or you know they've got some weird name and you're thinking oh that sounds really interesting or they're meant to be low GI and all this kind of thing and some of them sort of are but fundamentally you know if you think something's more healthy you're going to use more of it anyway you know and and if someone says to me well what's better honey or sugar I'm just saying well they're both the same
2: yeah exactly I mean Ultimately, even something like a date, a date ball yep. can yep. easily have as many calories in it as a Mars bar.
3: Totally, totally. And if you're diabetic, it will do exactly the same to you as a Mars bar will. Your blood sugar will go through the roof. So it's this lack of, you know, scientific background to really get people to understand that actually, you know, if you're trying to cut out sugar, just try and cut out sugar. But if you want to make a drop gone with a bit of, you know, normal table sugar, then just go ahead. Just, just be real. It's a sort of excuse to get people to have sweet stuff which appears more healthy, and I just don't think it is. I'm not convinced yet. I mean, I've been doing my job for a long time now, for about 20 years, and unless I can prove it in the blood... No one's getting a vitamin from me, you know. And with people coming off the Vega machine, um, they will come to me and say, "I know what's wrong with me." I go, "Oh yeah, okay, good. Tell me. Well, I've got candida and I'm zinc deficient and I need vitamin B12." I went, "Oh great, that's fantastic. How did you find that out? Oh, the vegan machine." I went, "Okay. Mm. So let's start again from scratch. Let's get some blood tests done. Ninety-nine times out of a hundred, it will be wrong." You know, there will be the old occasion where coincidentally it will be right. Yeah. So basically the, 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 the science will only work by coincidence. So if you tell someone to cut out gluten, cut out dairy, cut out caffeine, cut out MSG, uh, cut out refined foods, they might feel better anyway. But that's just a coincidence. Yeah. That's just because they've cut out junk food. Yeah. And so, oh, but it worked for me. I think, yeah, but I could have told you that free. You know, you didn't have to give me a 100 quid to, to tell you that.
1: Yeah, exactly.
3: <laughs> this has yes. been
2: so fascinating. I'm so pleased that you genuinely know so much about this because, I mean, I've just found it absolutely baffling that like, people seem to group foods into these strange groups. Someone once suggested I might be intolerant to nightshades. I was like, what is a nightshade? I don't understand. And um, apparently that meant red peppers. And I was like, just because I got indigestion once after I ate too many red peppers does not mean that I'm intolerant to them. I just mm. ate too much.
3: Mm. Mm, Absolutely, absolutely. Um, That's not sort of very trendy at the moment, but it certainly was trendy about 15 years ago. Everyone with arthritis was was told to cut out nightshades. I mean, there is some very, there is some small amount of evidence, but it's only for specific disease states, and it's usually arthritis. Um, Mm -hmm. But for everybody else, I mean, a lot of those foods are really healthy, aubergines, peppers, you know, and potatoes are great, you know. I mean, who doesn't want a bowl of chips every now and then?
2: Exactly. Who doesn't want a bowl of chips every now and then? Um, Kate, this has been so interesting. Thank you so, so much for talking to me. Is there anything else that you want to have a quick rant about? There's always something to rant about, Bella. I can tell you I have to go on for hours. Um, Well, thank you so much for talking to me. This has been a really, really...
1: Interesting.
3: My pleasure.
2: So my mum has this uh, this witch, this woman. She calls herself a cranial osteopath, but she is in fact a witch. She lives in this hut in the middle of a field in Scotland. My mum pays her like £100 an hour to move her hands like over my body but not actually touch me. It's absolutely bizarre. She, like, moves her hands very slowly over you, and she once told me that she had moved my womb, and she once told me that my special place was in the sea. So whenever I'm anywhere near the sea, I feel like I should throw myself in and something good will happen. But I'm, like, mortally terrified of fish. Like, I have an actual genuine phobia of fish. I would rather wrestle a lion than a tuna. I just feel like when you're in the water, like... There's nothing you can do. If a fish attacks you, not only are you being attacked, but there is the risk of drowning. At once, the witch told me that I really needed to get in the sea, and I was at a wedding in Newcastle. So I hurled myself into the North Sea, nearly caught hypothermia, and then spent the rest of the day wrapped in a foil blanket. I genuinely think the witch should be arrested. (laughs) So I am here with uh, Leisha Casey. Hello, Leisha. Hey,
0: Bella, How are
2: you? I'm good, thank you. Thanks so much for coming on the show. So Leisha is one of the chefs at Paradise Garage, and we are here in Bethnal Green, and I'm getting a tour. It's so cool here. I really like it. I really I like bring it. This way.
0: Come yeah, me. I always
2: walk past here, and then I never come in, and I just wonder, hmm, I want to, what's going on.
0: So this is the back kitchen.
2: Okay, cool. It looks very kitcheny, very stainless yes. steel.
0: Pretty much. So we're always closed on Mondays. So that's why everything's a little bit pickledy, pickledy. Yeah. At the moment. And then basically the way it works in the restaurant is that we have like five sections So pastries normally here. It's mm-hmm. like loads of chocolate and stuff. And that's amazing. That's one of my favourite sections. And then we have here, it's called Larger Snacks. And that's the pot wash area. This is the most amazing thing ever. This oven what is, is the most, insane. What's this? It's called a rationale and it's like, it's the most powerful oven ever. I love it.
2: What do you cook in here? Everything. Everything. Yeah,
0: Yeah. absolutely everything. And this is our ice cream churning machine. So like all our ice creams for desserts and everything, churn them in there.
2: Oh my god, that's amazing! An ice cream churning machine. Literally
0: like being a kid in like a sweet shop. It's insane.
2: Cool. So what I really want to do is I want to have a look at a menu. Um, Oh, snacks: beef, beer, and horseradish salami. I would definitely eat that. You can probably hear some sirens in the background. It makes it sounds very glamorous. Daphne's Welsh lamb. I wonder who Daphne is. So, can you start by telling me, how did you become a chef?
0: So, I used to work in human resources in Ireland, I'm Irish, um, and then I worked in human resources for about seven years, and then it was like, I always loved cooking, like I would spend my like weekends and like evenings cooking. Yeah. my family is like crazy into food we just like eating a lot basically and then about five years ago my dad got very very sick and touch wood he's like he's actually fine now um, and then I basically decided that I was actually going to do what I wanted to do rather than kind of you know just keep doing what I thought that other people wanted me to do my partner at the same time got an opportunity to move over to London, we were together in Dublin at the time and then he moved over here with his job and then for about six months I was like no there's no way, I'm not moving to London, I hate London awful place, I'm never going to go there and then and I was like, Do you know what? This is amazing. I'm going to go to London. And I went over to London, and then for about Three months, I didn't do anything, and it's the first time in my life that I haven't worked since I was fifteen. So I went to cookers school, went to Leeds um, School also of Food. Went to. Did Leitz. you guys? I didn't know that. Yeah. That
2: was crazy. Yeah. When did you go there? Um, well, I, I actually it was offered as like an extra at my school. Ah, okay. So Yeah. So every Thursday after school, I'd go and I'd like make yeah. my Leeds meal, and then I'd eat whatever i made. Like even if it was like a whole yeah. Victoria sponge, or yeah. if it was like a roast of four I would eat the whole thing Amazing. myself. And if anyone yeah. at school was like, "Oh, can I have some of your Leeds?" You were like, "Yeah, oh, no. Like, no." Even though you had
0: enough food for eight people yeah uh yeah so I went to Leeds, like you did um and I studied there for six months and that was absolutely crazy it was like I literally got to get up every single day and you go into this like tiny little like cocoon and all you're doing is like hearing about food and you're like getting taught the best things and that was insane and then I started working part-time in the restaurant I never planned to work in restaurants and then I started working part-time in the restaurant and I got addicted to it because Mm. I'm an adrenaline junkie and it's like the best buzz ever working in the restaurant yeah, is yeah. insane um I, so I started working part-time in the restaurant and then at the same time I was doing like private catering like food styling I was also trying to write as well because when I was in Ireland I set up like a little blog that I was doing myself and then in 2014 I heard that the dairy in Clapham the head chef Robin at the time um he was looking for people and they just needed someone for like a couple of weeks so yeah, so I went to do a couple of days at the dairy and I walked in and I was like, this is absolutely crazy. I have to work here. And then I worked there for two years and I pretty much just like gave up everything else. So I was like, this is what I'm going to do. After a year after I was there, Robin opened up the manor, which is down the road from right, the yeah, dairy. Heard of that. And then last year he opened a paradise garage yeah. and then I moved here in January so that I could work here part time and then do my riding as well. Awesome. Yeah. So what kind of stuff do you write? Um, So I have a column in the Evening Standard where I write about lunchboxes.
2: Lunchboxes. Yes.
0: So that comes about because when I was back in Ireland, still doing my job, um, and I was living with my partner, and it all sounds really like nineteen fifties housewifey. But like, I love cooking, so I don't really mind doing it at home. Oh, me too. I always do all the cooking. Yeah, just because amazing, I like it. I find because, it really soothing. Yeah, that's a, yeah, that's the thing. It's like I love cooking because it like calms me and relaxes me. And then I started writing about them on my blog. So I was like putting up these little pictures and stuff with lunchboxes. And then I moved over to London, and then I contacted people about writing for them because I was like, do- I love doing what I'm doing, and mm. I really just want to tell people about it. And then that's when I I showed them, I was like, I'm doing this little column where like basically I'm making these lunch boxes and it's like a really quick, simple lunch idea because for me, that's really important. It's like you go to like some other, like to a retail or a chain or something, you spend like four or five pounds, like even more, whereas I think if you spend like a little bit of time at home, you can make yourself something really nice and tasty. because I think that's
2: something that people say about clean eating is that it's really complicated and it's really expensive and everything's got like 25,000 ingredients, but like that's just not what you're going for at all.
0: No, not at no. all. Like, I'm quite lazy. Like, I like to pass <laughs> myself off as, too. like, a really, like, you know, hardworking person. But when I'm at home, like, I eat a lot of toasted cheese. That's my thing mm. when i finish finished working here. Like, I go home and I make myself a little toasted cheese. But the whole lunchbox thing—it really annoys me. Like even like a nice, obviously, still go to places like Perdomonje and stuff, and I buy myself a little avocado oh, wrap. Because oh. sometimes it's nice to do that. But you can literally make something yourself at home nicer, and you can season it, and you can make sure that it tastes nice, and you know exactly what's in it. And I know it sounds quite corny, because everyone's going on about like that you need to know exactly what you're eating. But for me, it's like cooking yourself lunch, I think is really important, more so than like breakfast or dinner. It's like when you're working at a desk job, like for me, that was always a little treat. Even if I was sitting at my computer having it, I'd be like, oh, I'm having my lunch now. Like I'd spend a couple of hours looking forward to it.
2: Yeah, so I've got massive Edinburgh fear. I've got what my parents call the bear in my head, which is when I wake up at like five in the morning and I feel like I've just seen a bear in the woods and I'm like... (gasps) (sighs) That is how terrifying being a comedian is. Don't do it. It's stupid. No, it's fine. It's going to be fun. The show's going really well. I am just... I'm quite nervous. Edinburgh starts next week. I'm sort of excited, but I'm more extremely nervous. My parents are very nervous because I go and stay at home for it and I'm not sure they're quite looking forward to me reverting back to sort of toddler ways. Like nothing gives you a mandate to behave terribly like unconditional love. There's nothing like it. My poor parents are gonna be an absolute nightmare yeah my mum has um, already pre-bought like 800,000 pepperamis she's so cute what she does is because I get quite tired on stage because I'm a massive baby about 40 minutes in I just I really flag so my mum makes me individual granola bars that she wraps in greaseproof paper and then sort of like ties up with a little bow and I eat one just before I go on stage so I've got like a boost of slow release energy so mum's been busy making granola for about I don't know 10 days now there's so much granola in the house my dad doesn't even know what to do i've got my sister flowering for me i've got my brother like starring in the show it's it's a family affair it is a family affair this year so back to the whole eat clean thing because obviously i'm on a mission to get the glow in this podcast um so do you think that the restaurant industry has felt any sort of like um pressure to comply with like clean eating have you seen any sort of trends that affected Mm. like the food that you cook
0: that's really interesting. I think like working in these type of
2: restaurants is basically
0: about getting like really nice, simple produce and making mm. it taste better than it does naturally. Or like even like something like at the dairy. So one of our dishes was having like it was like a courgette puree and then we have beehives on the rooftop. So it was like a little bit of honeycomb with that and like this fresh curds, like a kind of like a soft cheese that we used to make ourselves. So for me, it's like, I don't think that working in the restaurant industry that you feel that you have to kind of cook that certain way. I've been very lucky to work in restaurants that always just kind of, that they cook like naturally healthy food, but it still tastes amazing. And for Mm. me, that's a massive thing. Like it really annoys me people sitting down and eating food that doesn't taste nice. Like that really just that. What really annoys me me is people who don't
2: use salt. Yeah. That's my worst because it they're makes like it really oh salt's bad for you and I'm like yeah but salt makes everything taste better. Exactly.
0: It really does. Yeah and it's like that's the thing I, the big thing about working in the kitchen learning to cook professionally is about seasoning things like making mm. things taste like enhancing their flavour and then when I see these people but not like I don't think like crappy like table salt Thinking you need to use like nice sea salt Yeah. and I probably go overboard now like everything at home I'm like I'm just going to put a little bit of salt in that a little bit of butter because I absolutely
2: love butter. Oh I love butter. Yeah, yeah I'm like I'm terrible down for too much mother so obviously by the sounds of things everything that you make here is delicious yes and I'm definitely going to come and eat here you but um, do you ever get like difficult diners like people who are really fussy or who are like oh um, I'm actually like intolerant to onions and you're like mm, onions go in all food
0: yeah I mean obviously we're very happy to cater for everyone's taste Mm. Um, but I think it is quite frustrating when you get someone saying that they're dairy-free and then for the whole menu they'll like, request things or they're lactose intolerant and then for dessert they'll be like, oh, I'm just going to have a little bit of dessert now. And that's obviously very disturbing when they're happy to eat the ice cream. Um, gluten-free is a massive thing. Oh, like, and, and My little cousin has celiac disease and I understand that. If you have a genuine mm. like, a- allergy to it that yeah. it makes you sick, but I think what I've noticed more and more, and particularly coming up to the summer as well, that people are like, no, I'm just going to have gluten-free bread. And probably because it takes a lot of time to make in the pastry section, I just kind of begrudge that when I hear people asking for it. Like, even over the last year, I've seen the massive increase in people with, like, with food allergies. And if it's a genuine allergy, you don't mind, but then it's literally that people are like, I don't want to have that.
2: Yeah. Like that. Oh, yeah, gluten-free, it
0: absolutely drives me mad since, like, the start of the year, there's such a big increase. Like, when I first worked at the dairy, it's, like, there were not these many allergies. And then now it's, like, everyone's allergic to everything.
2: Yeah, someone tried to convince me the other day that I might be allergic to peppers. She was, like, nightshades, nightshades. I was, like, I think I've just got a bit of heartburn. Yeah, or maybe you've eaten too much of them. Or maybe I've eaten too much in general. Like, that tends to be what happens. (laughs) Yeah, no, I definitely get that. But, yeah, no, I've heard about people who are intolerant to to garlic all of a sudden and that means you can't yeah that's in the art
0: onions as well
2: you see, I genuinely think that onions belong in most foods. Yeah, onions like, are amazing. They are
0: amazing. That's one of my favorite things to do in the kitchen is to sweat onions. I like to sweat shallots. I cook them on a really low heat, and then they get they taste all sweet and juicy and like. Do you have any special tips for chopping onions and not crying? I wear contact lenses, so it never bothers me. But when I'm oh. not wearing my contact lenses, I cry like a little baby. Like yeah. I can't deal with it. Yeah. Whereas when yep. I'm wearing my contact lenses, so I'm like I'm amazing. I'm a really good chef right now because I can chop loads of onions. I literally I can chop as many onions as you want once I'm wearing my contact. Lenses. Yeah. But I put on my glasses and like want them, like I'm done. I can't do it.
2: My friend's dad, when we were younger, thought that he'd come up with the best idea in the whole world. He was like, I have invented these goggles in the shape of onions that I will sell to people to drop onions. He's <laughs> like, he's Welsh, so I was like, dabber. I'm just not sure yeah. um, I just don't know and he was like they're going to be the ultimate Christmas stocking gift this yeah, year I was like I want one you want some yeah well, I will well t- I've got my contact lenses so I'm fine well I will speak to him we'll get some yeah. sent over here get <laughs> some sent to Paradise Garage you still sell them um, I'm not sure I haven't seen no. them for a while but I should definitely I should Back definitely leather. chase that up yeah. yeah so of all the clean eating food trends which is the one that you would least like to cook kale smoothie Kale
0: smoothie. Yeah. No, I, I actually like kale. Yeah. If you, like, fry it really quickly. Mm. And, like, with lots of olive oil and put loads of salt and black pepper on it. But mm. kale smoothie makes me very angry.
2: Yeah. I mean, I don't mind kale that much as long as it's with lots of butter. Yeah.
0: But then you know I love butter. Or, like, so. olive oil is amazing yeah. and it gets a really bad reputation about it. But, yeah, no, kale kale and it's more the whole thing about that you should feel guilty about eating nice food like that really annoys me it's like i get to spend my day cooking now and i cook because i absolutely love it and like the fact that you should feel guilty about food that tastes nice and that makes you feel good about yourself that's the thing that really pisses me off
2: well thank you so so much for letting me come and look around it's been so fun yeah and yeah i definitely am gonna come and eat here soon thanks so much to my guests this week thank you for listening and
1: Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.
2: And I will be back next week.